Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. On today's episode, we are talking to Becca Davison, a Shark Tank alum who had the very rare and unusual experience of all five sharks wanted to invest, partner, however you want to phrase it. They were all interested. This is a rarity. This never happens. So I was excited to hear what product could have possibly had them all frothing with excitement. Right? I'm sure they, Mark Cuban would be thrilled to hear himself described as frothing. We're going to get to the bottom of that today, as well as hear how Becca marketed this product, invented it, manufactured it, all the good details that you want to know. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And uh, Becca, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Okay, so let's start with... Your your business, your product is Unbuckle Me, right? Unbuckleme.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. What the, other than a a command that has been issued from the backseat of my car by my toddler on numerous occasions, what is an <laughs> Unbuckle Me? That's a great question. Um, and, and you're definitely spot on with, with some of our thinking around what to call this thing. So uh, like you, I have uh, young kids. But I'll, I'll say our business started actually, you know, very... Um, in the very beginning, I guess I'll say, whenever I first um, moved back to Houston to, to be closer to family, and we, I had my first daughter, and I was working in the corporate world. Definitely had no experience in entrepreneurship. Really didn't see uh, this career path change in my life. I was kind of on maternity leave from a corporate job, uh, looking into childcare options as I was about to go back to work. And my mom lives nearby, and said, "I'm happy to, to take her a couple days a week." And I thought, great, that's that's a win-win. So uh, it wasn't more than maybe a few months into that. I was back at work and my mom just happened to mention to me, she said, you know, you've, you've got this car seat for her and I want to take her out to do things, but I can't push the red button. Like it's just too hard. It's stiff. It requires a lot of pressure. My mom has a bit of arthritis in her hands, um, but other than that is very active and healthy, um, but, you know, has trouble kind of opening water bottles sometimes, um, things like that in her hands. So she couldn't do it. So we thought, well, let's just go try to see if there's another car seat on the market that's easier for you. And lo and behold, there is not uh, a car seat that's easy for kids. Well, I should say easy for uh, anyone to open because 
you don't want kids to be able to unbuckle themselves. And that's really important. And, and our government knows that. And that's why they actually have federal regulations around how difficult that button needs to be. It actually has a much higher threshold of force required to open it than many adult seatbelts in cars. And not a lot of people know that. But but it explains why you have so many parents cursing about how difficult it is to unbuckle their kids. <laughs> it, yeah, it is not. I think every parent, if you say to any parent, hey, have you ever fought with a car seat? Like you'll immediately get that look that yeah. tells you that haunted look that tells you like right. not only have are they have they struggled with this one time. This is just like an ongoing known issue of the car seat experience. Well, and, and you do it, you know, so many times a day, right? Getting your kids in and out. And I'll preface this by saying car seats are tremendous life-saving devices. You know, there's complexity around them. They're heavy. They're bulky. There's there's things that are difficult. We're not besmirching car seats. Not knocking car seats by any means. So it fully makes sense, right, that you don't want kids to unbuckle themselves. So that was sort of the problem and the challenge at hand was like, okay, my mom physically can't take my – and, I mean, I'll give you some examples of how – real this played out like she took my daughter out somewhere I think to you know go to the zoo or something and like physically was in the parking lot and had to flag somebody down and be like can you unbuckle this like I can't get my kid out um and that's not safe obviously in an emergency it's not safe it's not empowering for an adult to be able to you know to not be able to unbuckle a young child and if it's like a toddler they could freak a toddler out if they think they're like hold on I can't get out of this car seat well, that's where, you know, they're like, unbuckle me, unbuckle me. And that's kind of the challenge is, is like for someone with limited hand strength, um, you know, she couldn't do it. So, um, and we found there's other people and you know, not just, you know, the grandparents was kind of our, or we started with this, but I'll talk later about kind of where this has grown. But, you know, going back to our story, you know, my mom, I really believe was like the perfect person on the planet to be able to address this problem and solve it. So she is an occupational therapist and she's retired now. And she was at the time, but she spent an entire career adapting equipment for patients with disabilities of the hand. Like this was her wheelhouse. Um, so people with, you know, post-surgery rehabilitation, she made splints for them. People, you know, spinal cord patients, spinal cord injuries um, with, you know, paraplegia. She helped create adaptive tools and devices to help them maximize their ability within their disability. Um, so this was very much like in her wheelhouse. So she thought, you know, I just need to create an adaptive tool because again, you don't want to mess with the car seat. Like there's nothing wrong with the seat. You want it to be difficult to open, but for her, she needed something to help her. Can't modify the seat. The seat is operating by design and regulation. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was, yeah, that was kind of where we were headed. It was like, how do we make it easier? Your, your mom's helping you with your kids uh, and so she's experiencing, and she had some arthritis, so she's experiencing this this genuine difficulty with the car seat. But she knows from her professional career, okay, maybe there's something we could do here. And you said, um, did you say like adaptive devices? Yeah, I mean, adapt adaptive equipment, I think is what they call it in, in the world of occupational therapy and physical therapy. But um, it's the simplest of concepts, right? It's things like using rubber bands, using, you know, levers, you know, things that, that um, pulley systems, you know, just any sort of simple machines really to help uh, transition and move forces around to different muscles. If you've got, you know, weakness, you move it to the stronger muscles. There's all kinds of really interesting, you know, anatomy and, and physiology um, behind so many of, you know, so much of the work that, that OTs do. I think it's fascinating. But that's exactly where her brain went was like, how do I create a little tool or a piece of equipment that will solve this problem? And 
she she was like, you know, it needs to have something around the back of it. I mean, she just kind of had this vision in her in her brain, and I credit so much of that to her of just knowing what might work for this problem. Um, but she very quickly kind of created, and not many people have like prototype material on hand, but she did. She she had some splint material, so that the kind of like pliable thermoplastic material that they make splints out of. She had some of that in her garage. And she grabbed it and she's heated it up in her pan. You kind of warm it up and it becomes very pliable and then it hardens when it dries. Um, but she created like a C-shaped tool and kind of like, she, I remember her, she came over to my house at one point and was like, I need you to screw this in here and I think this is gonna solve the problem. Um, I was like, I, mom, I don't know what you're doing, but like, fine, I'll help you. <laughs> um, but that was it and she created it very quickly um, and it worked for her. It, it, I mean, I remember like a couple of weeks later, she's like, by the way, that problem I mentioned about the car seat thing, it's it solved. I, I got it. I, I got a solution. At this time, neither of you had it, had set out to to build a business here. She just had this this very real problem in her her current life. And she had from her professional career this skill set to rapid prototype a tool that solves it. But essentially, you're, it, it adds um You've got a bigger uh, area area to press on. Um, it's adding. I'm guessing the way it it's like C shaped, so it's probably going to add leverage. So she's yes, got like that's a, exactly some, it. a force yes. multiplier on there. Okay, that's exactly it. Yeah, you totally got the physics behind it. It's just a force multiplier. Is all it is. So you push on the end of it. If you think of like an old fashioned nutcracker, right? Like you don't crack a nut. You can't crack a nut with your hands, but you put kind of that, you know, old fashioned kind of nutcracker on it, and you you push the ends of it together and you're multiplying that force so that you can crack the nut. And that's exactly the concept that she was applying to the seatbelt buckle. So she built a nutcracker for car seat buckles. She built a nutcracker for car seat buckles. Exactly. <laughs> it just was a nutcracker with only, you know, the, the kind of nutcrackers only on one side because the button you push from the top, but that's exactly it. And, and that's really, you know, that would have been the end of it, I guess. If, I mean, she was happy. She had solved her problem. She was using it for a few weeks. Um, and, and, you know, something about it, I guess I just maybe seen it a few times watching her use it and seeing how really thinking about how transformative it was, right? Like we went from her saying, I can't take, you know, my granddaughter out of the house to do things to like sending me pictures at work of like, hey, we're out, you know, we're at the zoo, we're at the park. I mean, that is a true, this little gadget transformed her, you know, ability to spend time with her granddaughter. It was really kind of struck me as like, wow, this is cool. Um, and then the kind of like next thought was like, are you the only person on the planet that has had this problem? I mean, you know, is there a market for this? And I don't, you know, market goes, you know, implies that I was thinking about a business. I really wasn't. It was just, you know, if this has been so life-changing for you, there has to be someone else that would benefit from this. And should we share this right with others to have the same experience? So where did you go from there? Like you saw the, the difference it made just in quality of life here and convenience and confidence. So you're like, this is a really simple, like someone had to think of the tool first, but once you see it made, you're like, all right, this is, the tool itself is not that complicated. And certainly, you know, she's not the only person with arthritis struggling with these, these car seats that are, it turned out by, by requirement and design work the way they do. And so the next thought is, all right, can other people benefit from it? And you know, the answer almost definitely, but the, where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the next question is like, where do we want to take this? And and I have to say, I probably got excited about this idea of like, well, maybe we can, maybe, you know, maybe this can be a business. And so I think that's when the wheels started turning of like, what would even be the next step, right? And I remember, I think I mentioned it to my mom, like we could make these. And she, I think her first response was like, 
yeah, I can make a few more. I think I have some more like material in the garage. I was like, no, no, no. Like if we had it made and she's like, I don't even know what that, you know, it's like, that's just so, as you said earlier, like so foreign as a concept to think about. Um, but you know, by, by chance, I, I think I, there was a few other kind of baby brands like mom invented. I think there's this incredible wave right now of like parent inventors that are bringing things to market based on needs. And there's a few that I follow on social media and I just love those stories. It's just like you said, so empowering to just see that other people have been able to do it. Um, and so I, I, you know, one of the things I picked up on was that there are these trade shows and conventions and there was a juvenile products trade show that happens every year in Las Vegas. And it was coming up. So the timing was just such that it sort of fell into place. And I saw that it was coming up. And I remember saying to my mom, like, hey, you want to go to Vegas? Like, let's just like get some research here and, and see. Maybe we can talk to some people that will help us learn what the next step is, because I certainly don't know what the next step is. Um, and that was really the first step we took was to go. They had a, a section of this trade show that was for invention. So it was a kind of a discounted rate for the booth. Um, and we just we showed up with prototypes, like very garage made uh, product that my mom had made, you know, but she made a few more at that point thinking, well, maybe I should make it, you know, start tweaking certain things if we're really going to um, make this a product that looks a little nicer. But I think we showed up with like a bucket of like 20 prototypes and like threw them on a table. We had like a sign we made at Kinko's and, you know, it was just very homemade uh, and just talked all day long. I mean, it was, and I have to say like one of the most memorable and amazing experiences I've ever had is just like starting to get that feedback of people saying, yes, this is a problem. You know, I work in the industry. I work with car seats. I hear this a lot. You know, customer service departments of car seat manufacturers saying we get this call all the time from people, you know, really feeling like, oh, my gosh, we're on to something here is like such a empower. I mean, it was just just such a cool experience to feel like, OK, we've got you know, we're, we're, we're tied into a problem here that's real um, and we have a solution that works. It's so that was the first thing. <laughs> I think you may be the, the first person we talked to that. Step one was uh, rent a booth at a trade show to totally. show the prototype. <laughs> and like this initial prototype, was this still like handmade thermoplastic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a screw in it that I found in my garage. Um, yeah. I mean, nothing manufactured. We didn't even have 3D prints at that point. Like we had no CAD design. Like we, it was just literally like we have a piece of plastic from the garage. Um, and, and, we, and I should say this? we did file. This was 2016. Okay. And I will say we did file patents. That was like one of the first thing we did. We're like, okay, we have this idea. It's so super simple, you know, and that was one of our concerns is like someone else is going to think of this. Someone else is going to see it and run with it because clearly we don't know what we're doing. Um, but we did think to file patents and I'm so glad we did because that has been just an anchor of, of our success. But file patents and then basically, yeah, rent a booth and just started to see is there legs behind this? Is this something people want? And so at the the conference with the booth, what can I ask what a a booth at a trade show typically costs might be like two or three thousand dollars yeah something like you know a couple thousand dollars okay um and this one was maybe like 500 i mean it wasn't nothing we it was still like okay we're spending we're putting some money here but we're we feel like we believe in this enough to at least you know take a trip to las vegas use some air miles talk to some people you know it was sort of like let's throw a little bit of money in this but i like the idea of going to if the industry that you're looking at has a Vegas trade yeah. show. And like, I don't know that people necessarily realize Vegas is built for trade shows. Like if you're going to go to a trade <laughs> show and it's in Vegas, it's going to be extremely convenient. <laughs> like it's just, it's what they're set up for. Um, and so I, I just think that's such a brilliant idea. Yeah. You know, and, and the world's changed, obviously this was 2016. So this was pre COVID, you know, and, and I think even just 
you know, I know so many other brands and businesses that have just, you know, gone straight to e-commerce, right? Like they've figured it out, they've Googled it, they've, they've done kind of the more background research and sort of quietly sleuthed their product development. And then they just, you know, show up one day and it's like this e-commerce splash and, and they've been so successful. So I think ours is almost like the more old fashioned way of like, let's just talk to some people, you know? So there's so many different ways to go about launching a product. I, I don't think there's any one right way to do it. Um, this was just our journey. And probably because my mom and I, you know, we had fun together. It took zero um, convincing this to get her, you know, I was like, let's go to Vegas. Sure, that'd be fun. Like, so <laughs> this was kind of how we just thought, you know, it would be a fun way to dip our toe into the pond. But there's so many channels these days and so many ways to launch products. Accidents happen. Maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake. Common myth. Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue, they don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Find it in the Shopify App Store or visit rewind.com. So you leave the you leave the conference and I assume this is this is giving you confidence. This is giving you validation. You're able to connect with people in the industry who you know, car seat manufacturers who are saying, yes, that you're right, it's a genuine problem that we hear. So you know that market is there. I mean, you 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 knew it in your heart. Now you know it like you have third party external validation saying, okay, yeah, it's real. And so it makes it much easier to take that risk. And, and spend the money to go to the next step. What's the next step? Yes, and I'll just add to that real quick before I go to the next step. The other thing we learned that I think was really interesting is, um, you know, we were focused on kind of grandparents and arthritis and even thinking about you know other parents with disabilities and cerebral palsy and carpal tunnel and things like that. But I think one of the things that we took away from that conference was like, you know, there's moms with long fingernails that hate car seat buckles that are breaking their, you know, breaking their nails. And that's not a market that I ever anticipated, but, um, and then we had parents saying, you know, I've got three kids, the third one's in the third row of the car. I'm like climbing over the third row to unbuckle them in the back seat, like breaking my back. You know, one, one mom, I think she was, um, because this trade show had some consumers coming through it as well. She's like, I'm eight months pregnant. I physically can't even get back there to unbuckle them. So like siblings are trying to unbuckle and they can't do it. So she's like, this would be such a cool thing to be able to pass back to you know, kids to unbuckle themselves. So those were sort of the conversations that, like you said, got us really excited. Like it's not, it, it's even bigger than we thought, right? There's more people that could really use this product. Um, but yes, yeah, so we walked away from that completely overwhelmed. Like what's the next step? I have no idea. <laughs> um, fortunately, we had actually connected with a couple of, um, I'll call them manufacturers um, and they're based in the US. So it was kind of, there was a few different companies walking around that had um, manufacturing capabilities and certainly the engineering kind of the CAD design capabilities. So those were kind of my first calls that next week was like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, sounds like the first thing we need to do is a CAD design. Then we need to get some 3d prints. Let's refine our design a little bit and then start to look at, uh, manufacturing, which is, you know, an injected molded kind of plastic tool that we need to, uh, start to design. So we started, just went through that process probably took us, you know, eight months, almost a year, almost of just, 
um, refining the prototypes. We got very perfectionistic about it. We probably just re revised that thing hundreds and hundreds of times and drove everyone completely crazy. But we were obsessed with like, how do we make this as, you know, as, as good as it possibly can? Um, everything from, you know, getting, getting feedback. We did a lot of research from customers and, and uh, not even customers at that point, because we weren't selling, but just people that we had met that were willing to try our prototype, give us feedback. Um, you know, we added like a soft overmold to the top. We wanted it to be comfortable. We added the keychain loop that people said we want to put, you know, have a place to keep it. So just a kind of iterative process of, I guess, product development really is just, um, making sure we had the right design. So uh, getting someone, so you you were able to contract with a um, a manufacturer who was able to help you develop the the CAD files. So it's one thing to go from like I have an idea and I have a prototype, but I you know it's homemade. To I have a we have a three D file and specifications that define what this is, where I could pass this to anyone, any manufacturer who could then make it for me. And so that's really that like next step. Yes, like when you build a house, you need plans, like architecture plans, so to speak. And so you've got your, that's actually a good way to put it, the CAD file. That's the the architectural plans for your product. Um, and but getting tooling for even something as simple as like a small injection molded piece of plastic, you're still going to spend ten grand easy just on getting the tooling made. So you can't make it and then spend ten grand on tooling and discover oh it's not quite right. So that's where. Uh, you have the prototypes, which when we say prototypes, most of the time it's 3D printed, right? Yes, which is incredible. I can't imagine, you know, developing a product before 3D printing became so ubiquitous. It really changes things. I did not realize totally. how inexpensive and accessible 3D printers became, but we, we got one as a gift last year. It was less than $200, and my 10-year-old has now mastered it and just keeps churning out it's and so cool i think it unlocks you know for kids especially like it unlocks that part of your brain to just start trying things and be he able started to feel selling it the prints it. at school it's unlocked entrepreneurship for a 10 year old that's amazing congrats to your son i know really thrilled with it um but yeah even having uh like 3d printing and obviously like the 3d printer that a manufacturer would use uh, a little nicer than what's in my basement a little bit <laughs> yeah and like they could do multiple colors and materials and yeah well, well and that's kind of my next point is like it's, it's still really difficult to you know there was elements of our product like you said it's so simple but it's like it has to flex you know in certain places but we don't want it to break um so it's like how do you you know what's the right thickness there we want you know we wanted that over mold on the top which ended up requiring a whole separate mold to be able to put that kind of grippy rubber-like material on the top of it. So th there was like a surprising amount of complexity in the design for such a simple product. Um, and 3D printing can get you pretty far, but I still remember like, you're right, that that tooling investment is like such a leap of faith because it's like, ah, uh, like, we, you know, we haven't been able to totally test the exact materials that we'll be making it from. So you kind of do just have to take that leap of faith at some point. Yeah, because it isn't like the injection molding is different than 3D printing, which is material deposit, where we're like layer, 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 and it makes it, it could be brittle. And especially with like, this is a very flexy the device. Flexibility. Yeah, it was so tough. So yeah, you're right there. Even in 3D printing it, your prototype, once you have the actual one, it's like, until you, you actually manufacture that, anybody's guess if it's going to operate exactly like you hoped. Ugh. So did it? Did it work? It did. And I feel like there's so much luck in everybody's story. But, you know, there's se several points in our story and journey that I just feel like things fell into place. And this is one of them. Like we 
uh, yes, it, it works great. We were really happy with it. We had a little bit of a setback with like, we were going to use polypropylene and then that ended up being a little bit too bendy, um, which is what there's like, like shower cap bottles and things are often made with that really thin plastic. So we had to change to use a different kind of plastic. So it wasn't like it was smooth sailing, um, but definitely very fortunate that the tooling worked. We didn't have to reinvest, but it was a sizable investment, um, especially because we were doing it in the US too, which was you know, a thoughtful decision. We, we like to obviously support US manufacturing. We had a great partner here, um, but things are a bit more expensive. We also did, were nervous about buying, you know, such high volumes because this part's so lightweight to do it overseas. It's like you spend less money on tooling, but then you've got to buy like, you know, an entire freight, can, you know, ocean ship full of them to get the cost where you want it. So it made a lot of sense for us to start here in the US. What gave you the faith to spend the money on that initial run? Because like by the time we're into, all right, let's pull the trigger on actually manufacturing and in like three months, I'm going to have a garage full of these things. You know, and for <laughs> spoke to people in the past, it's you know you're going to it's anywhere from like ten to a hundred grand you'll have spent. Like tens of thousands are gone here, non-trivial. What was the thing that made you feel that it was okay to take that risk? So we did do a Kickstarter campaign uh, in 2017. So we were pretty far along the process of having, you know, we had done 3D prints, we were feeling happy with it. And that was, to your point, exactly. It was like, first of all, like, where are we going to get this money? Um, and secondly, it was like, you know, are we sure about this? You know, we, we, my mom and I both are bad decision makers, and we second guess, triple guess things a million times. So it was like, let's do Kickstarter. Um, and, and that's a really whole beast in and of itself is trying to run a successful Kickstarter. Um, and again, they're, they're, they're successful Kickstarter campaigns I've seen, and we were successful, we got funded. Um, but in retrospect, it was just a really, really stressful time um, and requires a lot of effort and, and kind of PR and, and that whole effort that I think I probably underestimated how much goes into that. Um, but we did that and that really helped us. So, so kind of to, to share our story, to kind of start to create those early videos and photos and have that resonate with people um, and have you know some, some kind of big media people that we were able to talk to help us spread the word on that. Um, that definitely gave us that validation like, okay, We've now gone to two different forums, you know, one being a little bit more industry focused um, and this one, you know, Kickstarter kind of being more consumer focused. And we're feeling like we're just getting a lot of encouragement and a lot of like, take my money kind of comments. Um, this is, you know, this is, we're onto something here. So we thought we're gonna invest. Um, and you're right, it does, you know, to do the tooling, like you have to plop down a bunch of money. Um, but I would say, you know, we tried to be as scrappy as, we, I mean, if you haven't <laughs> already gotten my, my vibe here of us wheeling into trade shows with our, you know, plastic prototypes, like everything we've done has been very scrappy, um, it, especially in those early days. Cause like, you know, we, we didn't have investors. We didn't want to take out a bunch of loans. Um, we were just trying to do as bootstrap as much as we could. Um, but yeah, that gave us the confidence to, to go forward. And so you started the, to offset some of the risk to, to uh, both validate it and, uh, get the the cash flow for that initial manufacturing run. You start did mm -hmm. a Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter showed, "Hey, here's the prototypes," and explains it in great detail, and makes it clear, mm -hmm. uh, "Hey, this is a thing we are ready to manufacture and pull the trigger on." Mm -hmm. And you sought mm -hmm. um, uh, the goal was ten thousand. You raised twelve thousand eight hundred from mm -hmm. three hundred forty three backers in twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. Congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. It got featured in man, a dozen or more uh, blogs and publications. And 
so with Kickstarter, I think yeah. the thing that people underestimate with Kickstarter is the, this thought of like, oh, well, if I build it and it's just a great enough idea, if I could just communicate through what's essentially a sales page on Kickstarter that will get, will raise the money. And the reality is... It's crickets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's exactly it. And I think that's, um, I definitely underestimated that. So you know, here I was kind of spending day in, day out, um, also working full time, by the way, I was doing this all kind of as a side hustle, oh, uh, but spending so much time on the, you know, the product and the manufacturing and all of that. And then realize once we launched this Kickstarter, it's like, oh, I got to shift my entire focus right now to like PR and contacting media. It was like, whoa, I didn't anticipate that I would have to basically bring my own people over to the platform, which totally makes sense. This was just, again, me learning by trial by error. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a hustle. It was like, and then you've got this sort of like, you know, dripping time clock of like 30 days or whatever that you have to meet your goal or it's all or nothing. I was like, oh my gosh, like we've got to, you know, so that just became like a really stressful 28 day window of just, you know, farming myself out to so many, you know, anybody I could talk to, press, Facebook, um, you know, shamelessly hitting up friends on Facebook, <laughs> all of the above um, to get some attention on that. So I, I, I'm still eternally grateful for those 300 pe so people um, for bearing with us. Cause I know it's tough, right? With Kickstarter, like, especially with baby products, like you've got a kid, you've got a problem. We're sort of dangling this product idea in front of you. Uh, but you're not going to get it right for a few more months. And, and, you know, this is our first time doing this. So I'm sure people were like, you know, you guys don't know what you're doing. And, and we ended up delivering, I think, like a month or two late, which by Kickstarter terms is like pretty good. Yeah, I was um, going to say that's but, well within the the range yeah, of great experience on Kickstarter. Exactly. Like, I don't think we had anybody that was too upset on Kickstarter the way it ended up. But um, all that to say, like those people were incredibly patient and supportive and, and still there's a few of them that still like, you know, comment on our social posts. And like, I even know their names, some of them. It's like, I remember those early backers, right? Because they're like the first people that are not related to you that are giving you money out of their wallet to support your idea. Like, it's tremendous. So in 2016, you have this idea. By 2017, yeah. you've got a prototype and a successful Kickstarter to make it happen. It's pretty good from idea. Yeah to business in a year. Yeah, we were, I mean, again, this product, it's its not, I mean, it's fairly simple, right? In and in, 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 in of itself, um, it's just, yeah, just you know, getting the, the nuance of it and getting the materials. And um, we were fortunate, like I said, to find a good manufacturing partner. So we had, I think the Kickstarter was in February and I think we were planning to deliver over the summer. And I think we shipped by September, I think I wanna say. So yeah, it was October. estimated delivery yeah. August 2017, and then okay, they were delivered. Yeah, something like that. So, and so you know, I have uh, a keycap set I bought off Kickstarter, and it was uh, almost two years to get some, some yeah. keyboard keycaps. <laughs> Not even a whole keyboard, just the keycaps. Yes, I know. I've had similar experiences, especially with technology products. I think I ordered oh, a baby absolutely. monitor, and I think it was like my my daughter was like out of her crib by the time they were like ready to ship. <laughs> And that's one of the that's one of the tough parts about baby and child products. Yes, I think as a category, it's a really tough category for Kickstarter. I think um, a, because there is that finite time you need it, like you need it now. <laughs> well, it, I think it, larger than that, it's a, a tough category in terms of like customer lifetime value. You know, we've had on the show a, a few times uh, Beef Brody from Tactical Baby Gear, it, and they sell diaper bags. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's mentioned that that that's. You know, like that's the thing people don't necessarily realize about getting into that category is once the child grows up, what 
you've lost that yeah. the parent as a customer unless you can get you know, word of mouth or get them to sell yeah um or get them to like buy as gifts yeah and i think that's also one of the like hidden successes of our product is that like you know different than like an infant specific you know bottle or something like kids are in car seats till they're you know in the five point harness they're in there till they're five six um which is a pretty good lifespan and then you've got siblings so you've got like kind of each family has a longer i think time period where they could use this product and then you've got grandparents right that come back and they're taking care of their kids um and then you've got you know yeah as you said gifts baby showers things like that so you know we've been fortunate I think to feel like it's it's of the baby products we've got a pretty good window there but you're right it's it's a difficult category um and it is somewhat niche right we've also sort of uh, reflected on that many many times as we go you know refine our marketing plans is like you know this can be a bit niche and i think that was one thing that was brought up pretty heavily on on shark tank even that kevin mentioned was you know you guys like who needs this right is this like a super super specific thing and i think our goal has been to just share and educate that it's actually not quite as niche as it might appear at first glance. Like there is actually, there are, I do believe that there's someone in every family that has kids that would really love to use our product and that potentially needs our product. No, it, it seems like a good product and you're right. Like hearing you talk through it, it suddenly becomes apparent that this is, it's more than just you know, people with arthritis. It really expands yeah. to a larger category and it's just because of the design of the way a buckle and a five point harness works um, sure, yeah. in a child seat anyway. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? Well, you could make a deal with the devil. Can you believe it? All I had to do was give him my soul. <laughs> or you could just use Zipify One Click Upsell, created by the owner of a $100 million e commerce store entrusted by over 8,200 Shopify merchants. One Click Upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross sells. Plus, it's got mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder OneClick Upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10-15% to 15 more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to Zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T, and to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. You mentioned Shark Tank. Tell me about your Shark Tank experience. Oh, gosh. Well, we, uh, this was something that we thought, you know, Fun, fun memories of this business, like, let's go for it. We, it was a goal for our business for a very long time, even from the beginning. And people that saw us from that very first trade show and said, you guys need to go on Shark Tank. And we're like, we will someday. Um, so we auditioned twice, uh, two consecutive years. So one year we actually flew to New York. Uh, we were visiting some relatives out there and we got in line at 5 a.m., met some equally crazy people just like us and, and pitched and went through the process and, and it didn't go anywhere. Um, and I'm very grateful, you know, that we sort of we went back that next year. I was skeptical the next year. My mom was like, come on, let's go. Let's try again. And we went to Dallas the following year. And um, and, and it was just great. And, and so much had happened in our business over that year. You know, our revenue had like at least doubled. We had patents that were issued. We had retailers we were working with like so much, you know, I think helped position us to be a much stronger candidate for the show. Um, but it was tremendous. Right. We, and my mom was there. My daughter was there. 
Um, I remember the show was interested in having my daughter and she was three at the time. And I was like, oh my, like if I'm not already stressed enough, like <laughs> I have to manage the mood uh, and the demeanor of a three-year-old on national television. Like that was, it was stressful, but I mean, what an I incredible memory it. to have. Right. I was sort of like, can we just do a doll? <laughs> yeah. I remember um, what my three-year-old's like. I'm like, mm -mm. right. They are yeah, mercurial I mean, at best. Yes, yes. But fortunately, she was kind of, she didn't really understand it, obviously, but she kind of was excited. And, and I think she knew it was important to her mom and her grandma. Um, and she did fantastic. And then we got out there and they're like, can she, can she have a speaking role? Can she say a couple things? And I'm like, you guys are going to kill me. <laughs> the stress level. But she did so well. So the whole experience of being out there with, with three generations, right, was just, it's such a special memory. Um, and the experience was just tremendous. Like, I think everyone that works on that show, including the sharks, you know, are, are wonderful. They're, they're very supportive. I know they like to be sort of sharky on TV, but um, I really got the sense that like everybody out there from beginning to end, like cares about entrepreneurs and, and wants them to succeed. Um, so it was, yeah, just thrilling. Just the absolute cool, what, one of the coolest experiences of my life. Uh, what was the result? What, what was reception? Yeah, so we... Uh, well, it was great. I mean, we, as you said, managed to get offers from all five, which is which is nuts. We had a couple of them pairing off. Um, so we had three offers on the table from the five sharks. Um, and I, you know, just so grateful that they really understood that this is a product that the world needs and that has been well received. And um, so just, again, super validating. We were lucky to, um, we accepted a deal on, on screen with Lori and Mark. Um, we didn't end up closing the deal just for kind of some due diligence stuff. It felt like it wasn't going to be the right partnership for either side, but that show has been tremendous for us. I attribute so, so, so much of our success and sales to what really just what followed. I mean, just from the opportunities we rolled out to 2,600 Walmart stores shortly after we launched on target.com. We're in Amazon's Launchpad program. We're like a top five in their Shark Tank collection. Like things just have really taken off. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity because I think our product is one that, you know, you look at it or even, you know, you see it. it it's, it's like, what is this? I don't really get it. But I think that the way we, you know, we were able to present on the show, um, when people hear it and they sort of see the, the problem and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, that's the thing I struggle with every week that I just curse about and never knew that there was like a better way, right? And so they see it and they and they buy it. And so every time, I mean, Shark Tank airs, they've, they've re-aired like several times. And I mean, every time we see this crazy spike in sales, I'm like Googling, like, did we just air on Shark Tank? And usually a friend or so texts me and is like, you were on, your rerun was on last night. And, you know, so it's just, it's been a huge, huge tailwind for us to grow. Have you tried setting up a um, a Shark Tank landing page on your Shopify store? That's an idea, I guess. Just, I mean, I assume people Google us and find our Shopify store. But you think like a specific landing page? If you, so I'll try this right now on okay. Google. If I type in unbuckle me, it will autocomplete with uh, sh unbuckle me, Shark Tank, Shark Tank episode, yeah. Shark Tank pitch. And so plenty of blogs and businesses rely on that and they'll write like recaps reviews follow-ups yes, yes. about shark businesses on shark tank you can capture that traffic if you make a, a a dedicated landing page on your site and you call it like unbuckle me our shark tank oh, experience 2022 update yes kind of the seo yeah i love that that's actually a great idea yeah and then i should do that thank you obviously <laughs> you're like here's a link you know you could also check out the product here yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's just an easy win if you have that that wonderful Shark Tank opportunity under your belt. That's a great suggestion. Yes. And it's funny that, yeah, there are so many sites that have written about us and most of them have gotten it right. But there is one site out there that I think it's fairly highly ranked that has a completely fabricated story that is not actually um, the right story. So it's funny what, what the Internet you know runs with, but it's all it's all good. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so how you. You've, you had the Shark Tank success. Uh, you were able to get into, and that unlocked a lot of doors. What yes. do you think, you, what other marketing channels um, and marketing strategy tactics helped you early on? Just, it, it's so tough to get, it, as you found with Kickstarter, it's so tough to mm-hmm. initially get that awareness out there and get people to care. Yes, it is. It's a great question. Um, you know, so we set up a website very early on. I will say it wasn't Shopify, and I wish it was. Um, that was one early um, hiccup that we we um, struggled with. I think our website could have been a lot more seamless. What was it? On? Um, I shouldn't say, right? What was it? I've just said that. <laughs> we set up a WordPress site, Ew, and I think wow. WordPress works really well for so many people. But for um, we actually had the WordPress site when our Shark Tank episode aired, which it crashed, and it's probably oh. my fault from terrible <laughs> our IT architecture. Um, so I'll take I'll take the blame on that. But we moved over to Shopify after Shark Tank, and it's been great. Um, really, one of those kick yourself moments of like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? Um, but yes, uh, Shopify has been a great channel for us. We you know last year and the year before did a lot of Facebook ads, a lot of retargeting, you know, around the Shark Tank experience using um, you know imagery and things like that, um, credibility certainly. So that's been great. Uh, we, I mean, we've been picked up by like, you know, we were on Good Morning America. We were in a, we're on BuzzFeed lists. Like, it seems like all the time we've been on like four or five, and I love it. Like those editors, I need to just send them like a huge plant gift or something. But and you didn't do anything to get in those lists. It just happened. No, those lists we haven't done anything. Those just, I think they just find us through Shark. I mean, I assume through Shark Tank. I don't know how else they would be finding us. Um, mm. Because a lot of the products on there are Shark Tank products. I think they must find, you know, or somebody on there has watched the episode and is a big fan. I don't know, but. Um, if you're listening, thank you. I'm so, so grateful. Um, but those have been big. I mean, we also have gone the retail route as well, just because I feel like car seats are a category where people like to shop in person. Um, I mean, again, thinking kind of through the pre-COVID lens or post-COVID lens, um, you know, I kind of like to buy car seats in person because you want to touch them, feel them, they're big, they're bulky, you want to see, you know, how they work. So I feel like we need to be selling everywhere where car seats are sold. And so that's Target, that's Walmart, that's, you know, Bye Bye Baby. Um, some of those big retailers. And those have been really, really great relationships for us. Um, and I love those because, you know, customer acquisition can be expensive. So retail, you know, I don't have to do as much of the heavy lifting on that. So that that's kind of been, you know, I've been trying to do is, you know, spread the spaghetti out, see, throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks kind of approach. <laughs> what do you think you're going to try next? Well, I want to expand our product line. I think that's been a, a kind of a back of my mind, what's next for us. Um, so we do have a new product we're, we're working on, and that's taking a lot of my time right now. It's, it's actually, it's related to kind of kids and car seats, but it's a very different type of product. Um, it's not a plastic manufactured product, so it requires uh, new skills, kind of new talent of people that I can find to help me with new capabilities. So we're really excited about that. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, just trying to continue to spread the word really as, as much as we can. I I, um, I love the car seat technician space as well. That's been a really interesting, um, I don't know if I call it a market, but I, I became certified as a child passenger safety technician. And that's actually a, a, a group of people that have a certification that know a lot about how to install car seats, how they work, safety um, information. And so that's been a really cool 
kind of volunteer based way that we've been able to just share it with everyone. I think, you know, most of them know about our product and they're the ones that are working in school districts and fire stations and hospitals and, um, you know, educating the community around car seats. And so for them to know about our product and when they see on the ground, Hey, you know, there's somebody here that's having trouble with that buckle, they can right away, you know, refer them to a, a solution for that problem. Yeah. Well, it, it, in itself, that becomes a safety issue. Uh, is it the case that most Completely. car seats are installed improperly? It is the case, unfortunately. I think it's getting better. I think there's a lot of advocates I see um, you know, on social media that I think are doing really, really wonderful work um, in telling people about how to install your car seat more safely. There's courses out there. Um, Michelle Pratt at Safe in the Seat, I'll just give her a shout out because I think she's phenomenal and she's doing such incredible work um, to tell people and to educate parents on how to better install their car seats. So I think it's improving, but yes, I mean, for anyone listening, if you've got kids, um, make sure your car seat's installed properly and try to find a, a CPST to help you in your community if you need help. I will include a link to Safe in the Seat. Uh, on the topic yeah. of resources, were there any resources that helped you on your entrepreneurial journeys? This was your first time doing this. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, certainly there's tools, right? We've, we've used different email platforms. Um, Klaviyo is really great. We're, we've jumped onto uh, SMS marketing recently, and that's been really cool to explore. Um, we're using Attentive for for that. Um, yeah, I think I think you know the communities that, that I've been able to be a part of, I'm super grateful for. So there's Facebook communities and groups of other entrepreneurs, whether it's Shark Tank entrepreneurs or even other parent entrepreneurs. I'm part of a kind of a small Facebook community that we hop on. I mean, every day there's a thread about a different topic. And I think just that sense of mutual support and connectivity. And I mean, they've given me ideas that I've run with that have been hugely helpful and hopefully I've done the same. So um, I, I don't know, I feel like the world in some ways, especially for entrepreneurs is, is just gotten so much more supportive and there's just so much more conversation and dialogue. And, and you're part of that as well, right? Podcasts like this. Um, it's just great. It's it's super encouraging for people like I was a few years ago and needed all that help. That makes my day because that's that has always <laughs> been my why. That has always been like the driving yeah. purpose is can we enable entrepreneurship? And it is so far I've been able to do it. And so I'm proud of it. I'm happy to hear you say it. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, I, I want people to know if they're listening to this, like, anything is possible. And I know everybody says that, like, you know, anything's possible, but like, it really is. I mean, you can figure it out. Um, I was just on a call yesterday with somebody who was kind of struggling and, and thinking about, you know, hiring different people that were selling around different things. And I'm like, you can do this, like you can, um, you know, you just kind of need the motivation and a little bit of resourcefulness. Um, but anybody can do it. I, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll go out on that. That is, it, it's so positive and encouraging and I've, I've greatly enjoyed having you, but Thank if you. I wanted to get my own, unbuckle me. Where yes. do I go? You can go to our website, unbuckleme.com. Uh, you can go to Amazon and find us there. We're on target.com, walmart.com, bye bye baby. But lo and behold, if you buy from unbuckleme.com direct, A, you save her from having to pay the Jeff Bezos tax, and we have a coupon <laughs> code here 15% off with code podcast15. Yes, enjoy. And we've got some other stuff on there as well. We've added some other um, kind of kids travel related products. So, Oh, very nice. Yeah, we've got our, our cross sales and upsells going, it sounds like. Yes. Got to increase that average order value. 
Yes. And a lot of the stuff we have on there, so far, it's not, like I said, we're working on our new product, but a lot of it is just other stuff that other friends of mine or other entrepreneurs or small businesses, um, a lot of stuff that we kind of resell with them. So you're also supporting many other small businesses with your purchase. <laughs> Becca Davidson, unbuckleme.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Starting a business online has never been easier, but growing an e-commerce business is another story. With Privy, it's never been easier to grow your email and SMS lists, automate your email marketing, send on-brand newsletters and texts, and even send abandoned cart text messages, all in one app. Which means no more toggling back and forth, no more managing contacts across apps, just a powerful connection between Privy's email conversion and SMS tools that lets you manage the entire customer experience all in one place. Plus, you can try Privy out for free today. Just head over to privy.com slash unofficial Shopify and you can sign up for your free 15-day trial. That's P-R-I-V-Y dot com slash unofficial Shopify. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.